0: Pastor Sunny, for leading us in a lively time of worship. I am surrounded by the arms of the Father. I am surrounded by the songs of deliverance. I am a child of God. No longer am I a slave to sin or fear or anything because I am a child of God. With that in background, uh, let's go to our message. If you had a chance or many of us had the chance to observe a child uh, growing up, you Now, if you had that blessing or if you had that privilege, and if you had observed a child growing up, you would have noticed that no one teaches the child to be selfish. No one teaches the child to lie. No one teaches the child to hide something or to cry for somebody else's toys or to pinch or to hit. You know, all this is happening in an atmosphere of love. When you're so loving towards your child, you're kind towards your child, you're gentle towards your child, you sit and wonder from where did the child pick this up? And it only leads us to a conclusion. We can safely say that, you know, every child is born with an evil nature. That's the reason King David said, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Now, as the child grows up, the sinful nature in them only becomes stronger. Has grown-up adults, they're not only influenced by sin, they're under the control of sin. They're overpowered by it. You know, sins like laziness, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, lust, sexual immorality, greed and so on and on. The adult now is under the influence of these sins and all this exerts some kind of power on humankind. Because it exerts power, this results in some kind of a bondage to pain, conflicts, lack of sleep, fear, frustration, discouragement, depression. I can go on like this. This is what happens as you observe the development of a child. All of us can say that sin degrades every individual because after committing a sin, we feel bad. We don't feel good. We feel bad. In fact, we all feel sorry for our sins. Not only that, sin takes away our joy and peace from our hearts. It not only takes away joy and peace, instead it replaces joy and peace with pain and lack of peace. So what is happening here? What should we do? We are almost like bonded laborers. We are in bondage to the sin. So what should we do? We realize that sin places us under the influence of an evil master, the devil, and the devil is cruel. Nobody will say that, you know, bonded laborers, if you have heard their testimony, you will always hear how cruel their masters were. In the same way, you know, devil is cruel, he's unkind, he's abusive, he's slanderer, and he's a liar. So what's happening here is, whenever we are committing sin, we are opening up the door to devil. That's, that's the reason in 1 John 3.8, the Bible says, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Every time we slander others, we get angry, we are proud, we feel jealous of others, we act selfishly, we feel superior to others, we judge others, we envy others. We we should know that We are opening up the doors for the devil and we come under his influence. So the question is, is there a way we can get out of the influence of devil? Is there a way? I know I was born, I was was born in sin. Is there a way I can get out of the influence of the devil? The good news is we can get out of devil's influence when we have life in the spirit. When we have life in the spirit, we can come out of the influence of the evil one. Because of our sinful nature, as I told you that right from our birth, this is how we have been growing up. Because of our sinful nature, knowingly or unknowingly, we have opened up several doors for devil. It is only when we start living in the spirit, we learn to recognize and close these doors one by one. We can't do it all of a sudden. We can start closing it one by one. Let's listen to this good news as written in Romans chapter 8 verses 1 to 4. Let's all read, to the, read uh, this passage together. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is God's word. In these four verses, a very short passage, Paul is introducing us to the nature of life in the spirit. Paul explains, in this short passage, that when we learn to live in the Spirit, then there will be no condemnation, there will be no punishment, and there will be no excuse. If we are living in the Spirit, then there is no condemnation, there is no punishment, and there will be no excuse. No condemnation, because we, Romans 8 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Life in the Spirit begins with the assurance that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This one assurance releases every believer from the bondage of sin. It is this assurance that there is no condemnation enables us to approach God's throne of grace with Confidence. That's the reason we can go before our holy God. And this is what the theology book will call this as justification, no condemnation. This does not mean that we are sinless. In this present l- life, no Christian including an apostle or an evangelist or a prophet or a pastor are exempt from struggles with sin. Though we are no longer under the bondage of sin, we will experience temptations in this present life. But the good news is, Our struggles and failures with temptations will not result in condemnation. But listen to this carefully. But this privilege is available only to those who are in Christ Jesus. A Christian is a person who is in Christ Jesus. Being a Christian is not simply being identified only with our external behavior, like being part of a church, or having a Christian name like Abraham, Moses, David, Mary, or not drinking, or not smoking, or not watching a cinema. Being a Christian means being in Christ Jesus having Christ Jesus in us. A Christian is one who has Christ Jesus in him. Having the very nature of Christ Jesus, or at least growing in the nature of Christ Jesus. Martin Luther said, it is impossible for a man to be a Christian without having Christ. And if he has Christ, he has at the same time all that is in Christ. This is our inheritance. When we say, I belong to the family of God, this is what it means. We have Christ Jesus in us. We all are members of one family, of God's family, and when we say that, we should also understand that we have the inheritance of having the very nature of Christ Jesus. And Paul says in verse 2, having said that, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Twice Paul uses the word nomos. In this verse, in this particular verse, the law of the spirit or from the law of sin and death, it does not mean the Ten Commandments. It does not refer to that. He Paul uses the word here in the sense of an an influence or an authority or a power. That is the way he is using. Now let me explain this so that we understand when Paul says because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We need to understand that. Have you not heard parents say, my little angel? You know, have you not people saying, he's such a good boy. But under the influence of his friends, he did this. My son is a little angel, my daughter is a little angel, but there's nothing wrong with them. But under the influence of their friends, they did that. Have you not, I didn't want to use those words, but I couldn't control myself. Have you had experiences like that? I didn't want to slap him, but I couldn't help myself, and then you sit and regret. We can go on like this. I didn't want to write those angry emails. I didn't even want to share those angry WhatsApp chats, but I was helpless. This is what Paul means when he says, from the law of sin and death, he says there is an influence that exerts power over us. If you are careful, we will come to realize that I didn't want to do this, but I couldn't help doing it. I didn't want to speak those bad words. It just came out. just came out. I didn't want to beat him, but oh God, I couldn't help myself. So it shows we do all these activities under the influence of a force stronger than us, a force that controls us. That is the reality of the fallen human nature. This Helpless situation is described as the law of sin and death. How do we overcome this? Paul says, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Here, the law of the Spirit refers to the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who energizes the spiritual life in the life of a believer. It is the Holy Spirit. That is the reason when Jesus explained the way of salvation to Nicodemus, Jesus said in John 3:5, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. The law of the Spirit should help us, should set us free from the law of sin and death. Many of our troubles and the emotional problems are due to our failure to realize that there is now no condemnation because we have failed to grasp the truth of this phrase that there is now no condemnation. We feel far more guilt. We feel more unworthy and pain than we should. It is far more than what one should. It is on the extreme side. We feel so guilty. We feel so unworthy. When we start feeling like this, then our immediate action, the immediate attitude to counter this is, I have to prove myself. I have to be successful in everything I do. I can never be a failure. You know, so few of the symptoms of this attitude is no one can reject us. Nobody can reject us. Nobody can correct us. We will be too touchy to criticism. Because we are so touchy, we will try to use all our energy to defend ourselves. We have to prove that I am right. At the end of the day, I should prove myself I am right and you are wrong. It is all comes because we have not understood our inheritance, or our blessing of living in the spirit. We will not have joy even in prayer and worship. We will go through the motions, but we will not have the joy because when we worship, the joy comes out of a heart knowing that now there is no condemnation. In fact, many of the addictive behaviors result from a deep sense of guilt and unworthiness. They don't have purpose in their life don't understand who they are. Because of this kind of unworthiness, they get into addictive behaviors. Hence, it's very, very important for us to understand, to grasp the full wonder of the phrase, now there is no condemnation. How do we know that we have grasped the meaning of the phrase, now there is no condemnation? Is there a way I can realize, or at least I can know that I really believe in the word of God, which says, therefore, there is now no condemnation? Martin Lloyd-Jones explains this with a beautiful illustration. The difference between an unbeliever sinning and a Christian sinning is the difference between a man transgressing the laws of the state and a husband who has done something he should not do in his relationship with his wife. He is not breaking the law. He is owning the heart of his wife. It is no longer a legal matter. It's a matter of personal relationship and love. The man does not cease to be the husband. I would rather, he goes on and then he says, I would rather offend against a law of the state than hurt someone whom I Now, with this illustration, how do I come to know whether I have fully grasped the meaning of the phrase, now there is no condemnation? Whenever we sin, I don't think we have to be told that you have committed a sin. Or let me put it this way, whenever you get angry, Whenever you feel jealous, whenever you envy, whenever you slander others, whenever you gossip about others, when you feel, or when we feel that we have sinned against love, we have sinned against love, it is not We have contravened some written rules, of course. We have have trespassed certain regulations. We have contravened certain rules. We have done it, but more than that, we have hurt the heart of the one whom we love. When we come to that place, that's the place when we have realized Therefore, there is now no condemnation. You know, to the church in Ephesus, Jesus Christ warns them, you have forsaken the love you had at first. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Jesus Christ didn't say you are contravening, you know, commandment five, you didn't follow. Commandment six, you didn't follow. He did not say that. He said you have forsaken the love you had at first. No condemnation. When you get angry or gossip about others, or in other words, when you sin, Is there a realization that you have wounded the heart of Jesus Christ? When we live in the Spirit, it's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. Do we have this realization? There is no condemnation for those who live in the Spirit. No punishment. Romans 8 says, For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son, in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in the likeness of sinful flesh means that Jesus Christ's humanity was both real and sinless simultaneously. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Believers are set free from the law of sin and death and are made alive by the life of the Spirit because of what Jesus Christ has done for them. This is called substitution or atonement. Jesus on the cross broke the power of the law of sin and death. We have seen earlier how we are helpless. I didn't want to say, but I couldn't help myself. I didn't want to speak, but I couldn't help myself. I didn't want to write this mail, but I couldn't help myself. But Jesus broke that power on the cross that we are no longer helpless, but we have life. And we have life in the Spirit. Now can any one of us be able to say confidently that I am not selfish, I don't love money, I am not proud, or I don't get angry, or I don't commit adultery, or I don't desire others things because i have memorized the 10 commandments because i have memorized the 10 commandments i am not like this i am not like this can any one of us will be able to say that this only shows that law cannot save us just by memorizing the 10 commandments will not save us the law on its part, cannot make me righteous. It can only expose my sin, not only expose my sin, but it also condemns me for it. Because I'm unable to keep up the law, and because the law condemns me as a sinner, now what I deserve is death for the wages of sin is death. Now, unless somebody dies in my place, I cannot be rescued. We should understand this very clearly. I was to be put to death. Unless somebody takes my place, I cannot be rescued from that punishment. But the good news is, God loved me so much that in order to save me, He sent His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Not to lead a holy, not to lead a nice life, but to be a sin offering. The sin offering was specially prescribed for atoning unintentional sins. You now, Paul has already said in the previous chapter, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Paul, Apostle Paul, is writing this, I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now if I do, What I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. Now, Jesus' teaching miracles and sinless life were of great importance in his earthly ministry. But his supreme purpose in coming to earth was to be an offering for sin. Without the sacrifice of himself for the sins of the world, everything else Jesus did would have left humankind in their sins still separated from God. Do you realize the depth of the verse that Paul says, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Do we realize the cost of our punishment? To set us free, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, became a sin offering. No condemnation, no punishment. That is the reason there will be no excuse. Because of these blessings, there will be no excuse. Because Romans 8 says, And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. This is called sanctification, the process of making us holy. Now the true Christian, not only has the desire, but also has the God-given ability to live a holy life while he is still on earth. The flesh of a believer is still weak and subject to sin, but the inner person is remade. The inner person is strengthened in the image of Christ and has power through the Holy Spirit to resist and overcome sin. Sin will not go on its own. God has given us that power through the Holy Spirit to resist and overcome sin. That's why we don't have an excuse of saying, I didn't want to do it but I did it. We don't have that excuse. That's why when Paul writing to Colossians, he says, in 310, we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator, in the image of its creator. It is being renewed constantly. Every day, the image is becoming better. Every day the image is resembling little more like Jesus Christ. Hence, there are no excuses for getting angry, or for slandering others, or for using filthy language, or for viewing obscene things, or for being lazy, and so on and so on. We don't don't have the right to give excuses. We can't only take no condemnation, no justification, no punishment, and then I'm helpless. We cannot be helpless if we are living in the Spirit because the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit energizes us. The Holy Spirit strengthens us because the Christian is in Christ Jesus. And, Jesus, and has Jesus Christ in them. When we have Jesus Christ in us, we can't say, I'm helpless. I don't know. That's not a good attitude. We need to realize, because now our desire is to live a holy life. You know, hyper-grace teachers, they teach that all sin, past, present, and future, has already been forgiven, so there is no need for a believer to even confess it. They even go to the extent of saying that believers are not responsible for their sin. So what happens? Many of the young people are attracted to this type of teaching. Now ask yourself, can anyone indwelt by the Holy Spirit can make a statement like this? If we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, will we make a statement like this? Because God justifies us through his Son and sanctifies us through the Holy Spirit. That is the reason Paul says, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit, according to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives in everyone who belongs to Christ Jesus. Being indwelt by the Holy Spirit is not a mark of special maturity or spirituality, but the mark of every true Christian. When you accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit is the distinguishing mark of the Christian and this presence means the defeat of the power of sin. No longer we can say that I am helpless. I didn't know how I did that. That is a typical childish behavior. We, We saw how a child behaves, and how as a child grows up into its adulthood, how the influence of sin becomes stronger. But the good news is we don't have to remain under the influence of the evil one. We don't have to open the doors for the devil. Every time we close the door to devil, we become stronger in our Life in the Spirit. It is not one door that we have opened. We have opened several friends for the devil. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us identify and also to give us strength to close these doors. Today, if you close a door, you are taking a step closer to our Lord Jesus Christ. And we keep on doing this. so that the the image of our Creator is being renewed in us. The image of the Holy God is being renewed in us. No condemnation, no punishment, no excuse. Every time you read Romans chapter 8 verses 1 to 4 remember these three things no condemnation no punishment no excuse. How do we apply this message? Hunger for holiness. Hunger for holiness. Ephesians 1 4 says for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight we have been chosen to be holy and blameless in god's sight if we are in christ jesus our soul has a new hunger have we not Heard people say that the day I accepted Jesus Christ, there was a kind of joy in me, there was a kind of hunger in me. What happened over the period of time? Maybe we have opened few doors. If we want to get back to that place where we had the joy where we wanted to live for Jesus and Jesus alone, where we sang, I have decided to live for Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. So God has chosen us, we have a new hunger for him, to be holy, because Christ Jesus is holy. I said to be a Christian is to be in Christ Jesus. We can't have Christ Jesus in us and try to justify ourselves. It is okay if I sin because Christ Jesus is holy. Paul, writing to Romans, he says in seven. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. God wants us to rejoice in the holiness that is already ours in Christ Jesus. I'm not trying to give you rules how to lead a holy life. Rule number one, rule number two. It is, that's not going to help you because the Ten Commandments didn't help. So, the rules are not going to help. What will help us to understand that Christ Jesus is in us? Now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is in me. You know, when God looks at you and me, He sees us as holy. Today, He is seeing you and me as holy. He is calling you and me as his holy people. It is that, that's what encourages us. God is not saying that you're a wretched sinner, you deserve to be condemned. God is saying you are. there's no longer any condemnation for you, no punishment for you. You're already holy. When we hear these words from our loving God, it's that desire which motivates us, not the rules and regulations. I have to follow one, and that's the Ticmar Christians. I have done this, I have done this, I have done this. No, that's not the way. Christ has called us into a living and dynamic relationship with him, walking with Jesus, walking with him, walking with him 24-7, knowing who he is, You can't walk with Jesus and continue to live leading an unholy life. It's just that realization to know that holiness is our destiny. It is not something you achieve; it. It's a destiny. God wants to take you to that place. It is not that. You know, you have to make some rules and regulations for that God's plan. You know, we sang this, we sang a song this morning, you have a plan for me. The plan is to take us to that holiness. Holiness is not that when we reach the destination, holiness is right here, right here in this place. As we live in this earth, we don't have to wait. Perfection, we have to wait, but even... That is also, we can have it here, because the more we realize the presence of Christ Jesus in us, the more holy we will become. The more we realize the presence of Jesus Christ in us, the more holy we will become. To what extent do we realize the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in us. Hunger for holiness. Hunger for the Holy Spirit. Hunger for the Holy Spirit. Moses' law is morally right, but has no power. And the Ten Commandments says, thou shall not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shall honor your parents, Thou shalt love the Lord your God, above all other things. It is morally right. But just by memorizing, it doesn't help us to keep up this law. So Moses' law is morally right, but has no power. Since law, since law has power, but is not morally right. We know to get angry is wrong to slander, to use filthy language, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil, greed. We know, but that has power to keep us in bondage. So since law has power, but is not morally right, the law of the Holy Spirit is both morally right and also has power. That is life in the spirit. When we realize, when we are indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit, that helps us to keep up all the laws. We will be able to keep up the laws. We will be able to keep up the Ten Commandments when we have the law of the Holy Spirit, when we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. So to live according to the Spirit means to live under control and according to the values of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit which enables us to produce fruit that is pleasing to God. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. God has chosen us. We did not choose God, but God has chosen us so that we might go and bear fruit, and fruit that will last. And we will be able to produce that fruit only when we hunger for the Holy Spirit. We'll be able to produce that fruit only with the power of the Holy Spirit. If we don't feel hungry for the Holy Spirit, if I'm not hungry for the Holy Spirit, it means I have been eating spiritual junk. It's not that I'm not reading the Bible, it's not that I'm not listening to sermons, it's not that I'm not praying, but we need to be careful there is life in the word of God. The word, If we, when the word, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, when we hear the word of God rightly, and when the word of God takes deep root in us, it will produce 30-fold, 60-fold, harvest. It is that word of God which gives us hunger, It makes us hungry for the Holy Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit, we can lead a life in the Spirit. That's the reason Paul said, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. No condemnation. No punishment. No excuse. Every time we sin, it is not that we are just contravening some rules and regulations, but we are wounding. The very heart of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. When we are angry, when we are selfish, when we are when we envy, when we are proud, when we look down on others, when we want it our way, we are just only the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is that love, that love, unless we come to that realization, I don't want to hurt my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It is that realization because God has loved me so much for what the law was powerless to do, because of the sinful flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. As I was meditating on this verse during this week, I just couldn't fathom this phrase. How could God send His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. That was okay. To be a sin offering. God did not allow Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. But here, he's sending his son to be sacrificed for this Abraham's sin. I just couldn't understand that. I struggle with this. We all will struggle, and when we come to that place, let's not give excuses. Let, we, let us not rationalize our behavior and sins. Let us produce fruit pleasing to God. We are here to be fruitful trees, not barren trees. We are called to be fruitful trees. We are called to be a blessing to this place. We are called to be a blessing to the family where we are. we are. We are called to be a blessing to the community in which God has placed us. We are called to be a blessing in the workplace where God has positioned us. And we'll be able to produce that fruit only when we have the Holy Spirit. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Glorious Father, We come before you this morning. Our hearts are filled with gratitude. At the same time, O Lord, we are also not able to understand, comprehend fully. How could you send your son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering? I pray, Lord, we will hunger for holiness. God is holy and that God is residing within each one of us. Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, not only will we hunger for holiness, we will also hunger for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your ministry. We acknowledge without you, we will not be able to close the doors to the devil. Help us to identify the doors that we have left it to open, O oh Lord, so that the devil continues to exert influence on us. I pray you will give us the courage and strength and wisdom and discernment to close those doors, to live for our Lord Jesus, to exalt his name, to glorify his name. Teach us, O oh Lord, make us people who live in the Spirit. Give us this privilege, O Lord, to live in the spirit. We bless your name. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.